Thank you for listening to Lone Star Community Radio. This program was broadcasted and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is supported by listeners like you. Donate and sponsor today. For more information on getting involved with Lone Star Community Radio, contact us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or visit us online at www.irlonestar.com. Hey, good to have you guys back for another episode uh, of the Bridge Podcast. I'm John Shibley, your host, of course. And uh, as always, man, you can check us out on Tuesday mornings, 11 a.m., uh, on Lone Star Radio, and I've got a great guest today. I actually, it, it was kind of interesting because I brought my son on, who's a first-year teacher and a coach, and he's getting to do exactly what his passion is, what he's dreamed of, and it was just interesting to sit across the table and talk on that level and hear just from him all the details of the things he goes through and all the journey uh, that he, you know, the stress he went through on making a career choice change. And uh, so it was just awesome to hear and, and really proud of, of what he's done and what he's becoming and, and the impact he's making in the kids' lives here in Conroe. So I'm excited for you to hear from my son, Dawson Shibley, who's a coach and a teacher here at Conroe ISD. So check it out. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Bridge Podcast, where we are connecting you in the community with our commerce around the city, leaders, people of influence, and just people doing some good stuff. And today's a little bit surreal for me. Uh, Historically, we've brought in guys who have been here for years, you know, 40 years in a business in Conroe, you know, grew up here, did the whole thing. And now I've got the next generation, and I want to welcome in my oldest son, Dawson Shibley. Welcome to the Bridge Podcast, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So this is going to be kind of cool. Uh, this is going to be interesting. So we're going to go through some things that obviously I know the answer to, but I want you to kind of get to know Dawson's journey because he is now a teacher and a coach at his alma mater, which hadn't always been the path, but kind of in the back of his mind, always the dream, I think, if we get down to it. So Man, take the audience through sort of, I mean, you're a four-year varsity starter in baseball at Conroe High. You went and played four years of college baseball. Along that way, you kind of had medical school on the radar. Mm -hmm. Tell us how that switched and where you pivoted and why. Yeah, so uh, all through college, all through high school and college, I I wanted to be a surgeon. So I was on the pre-med track for three years. And throughout the summers, I would coach the incoming freshman prep team uh, for Coach Raymer, and I loved it. It was a blast. It was more at peace than I've ever felt anywhere. It was just on the baseball field, and that's kind of how it was my whole life. And so, I mean, it was just something I was doing on the side in the summer, but the closer I got to having actually having to go to med school and stuff like that, I, I just wasn't at peace. I was stressed out constantly. A lot of homework, had no, like, social life. It was, it was not enjoyable. It was not a good time. And I realized I just, it kind of just clicked one time when we were – driving home, I was listening to a coach talk. I think it was the Paris Junior College coach talk. And it clicked on me and I was like, that's what I want to do with my life is just coach. Like I, it's the only place that I feel like at home is on the baseball field. And it's, and it's more surreal for me because I, get, I wanted to do it specifically at Connor because I gave so much to that program and to this community playing and it gave me so much back. And I think it's the only place I want to coach is Connor because I, I love it here. It's where I grew up. It's all I experienced the same thing these kids experienced. And I realized early on that this is where I want to be, and that's the path I wanted to take was coaching. And yeah. so I kind of made the switch. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> obviously I had a front row seat to all that, and we had more peace about it once you decided to do something you were passionate about and loved. And, I mean, maybe for even some people listening right now that are at a crossroads, maybe kind of like you were, like what what would be kind of your advice? Because a lot of people take a track – that they've had for years in their mind. Like, this is what people expect of me. Now I'm just so far in that there's there's no turning back. Like, what do you say to somebody? Like, how would you help them make a decision to identify what they're passionate about and really take that leap of faith? I mean, you hear people say it all the time, like, do what you're passionate, do what you love, stuff like that. But it it's never too late to change. In my, I mean, I was about as far as you could go, like, about to take the MCAT, 
when I was just like, you know what? No, this this isn't what I'm happy about. So it's never too late, obviously, and do do what makes you happy. It's too life is too short. Like you see people say that all the time, but never really act upon it. But life really is too short to do stuff that you're not going to want to do your whole life. And I know that the stress that I was going to have for my whole life as a surgeon and in med school is just not what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so it's if you're on that, if you're trying to decide it, the people that are around you that really love you probably want it want you to be at peace more than you do. Like I was so worried about how uh, all my friends that all my pre-med friends are going to think I failed. All my all my family's going to be disappointed because I'm not a, a surgeon or whatever. I'm just a teacher. But in reality, they they just want you to be happy. The people around you, all they care about is you're at peace and you're enjoying what you're doing. And that's as soon as I told y'all, y'all were like, "Well, we've had this stress on us too. Like we don't think you were at peace this whole yeah. time." And so whenever I told you this is what I want to do, y'all kind of had this like feeling of peace as well, which is how I knew it was what it was supposed to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, and parents don't ever want to we bear the weight of what we know our kids are going through. And so we don't want that weight to track you down and, and trail, right. you know, follow you your whole life. And, and so, yeah, I love that advice. And, and, you know, you, you've of course had a good career here at Conroe and, you know, a four year starter on varsity. That's somewhat rare um, in, at this level of baseball. And you did that really well and then did, you know, played in college. And then, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they get out from under the, the roof of the of the mom and dad and they get away from hometown and they think, wow, there's a world out here. But you always knew you were going to come back to Conroe. So, mm-hmm. man, talk about because we got people listening that are just locked in they're, they're Conroe loyal, right? Conroe faithful, Tigers at heart, a lot of people. Why did you come back? Why did you just always know? How did you always know you're going to be back here? I mean, my my experience here was just so it was so enjoyable, and the community like gave me so much as a as a baseball player, as an athlete in Conroe. I I, I loved it the whole time, and I always felt loyal to Conroe and to Coach Raymer at, at Conroe Baseball. Like, I've always had this uh, passion for the area, and I think part of it is just I want to give back to these kids what I got from this place. Is like, they I walked the same halls as them, I experienced the same hardships as them, but. In the end, it's always just Conroe first, and I think that we can, if we, if I can give them what I experienced, they'll enjoy just as much as I did. And I don't know what it is about Conroe. It's just I left, and I, I loved like my time in college was enjoyable, but the whole time, like you get homesick, it's a real thing. And my family's here, and it's just a good place to be. The people here are great. I love it. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't ever want to leave. Like I don't think I'll even. Obviously, I don't want to close any doors ever, but. I don't think I'll ever accept a job anywhere but at Conroe. Yeah. I think that's the place I want to be my entire career. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's fun to watch other kids too, not just you, like kids in your class, kids mm-hmm. that leave and go through the whole college experience, and then they, they come back. And I've talked to people on this show that they've been, you know, they were Conroe Tigers, they went away, they came back. They've had businesses here for 20, 30 years mm-hmm. because Conroe just has pretty much everything. And, and so – you know, you're like you said, you're teaching these kids now that, you know, that that was you mm-hmm. seven, eight years ago. And uh, man, how has sort of how has the dynamic changed? Would you say just what kids are dealing with and, and you know, versus when you were in school? I mean, I think for my first year, I, what I've seen, it's way harder. They have it a lot more difficult, I think, than we had it. I think this age of social media has made it very hard on these kids. Uh, I think the dynamic, like they are experiencing, I think, more pressure than I, at, at least that I believe that I had, because they just constantly comparing themselves to other people on Instagram and TikTok and all these social media. And so it's definitely different. The generation has changed drastically, even in the five years since I was here. It's, it's definitely different. But I mean, I think that they have it more difficult than I did. And I think that's part of why I want to help them so badly. That's why as a teacher, I see it and I'm some of it's heartbreaking, like just the stuff that they're dealing with that I'm like, I never had to deal with that in the eighth grade. And so it's stuff that I was more stressed about as like a junior in high school. It's just they, the dynamic has definitely changed with this generation. That, And I think that's why it's so important to have teachers and coaches that really do want to give back to them and aren't just here for the, the coaching stipend or yeah. here for the paycheck, whatever. That's not what it's about. It's about helping these kids that really are going through crap that I didn't think they should ever have to experience at this age. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean there was a d- degree of social media when you, but nothing. It was just to it was the just starting now. to become like, a, like I didn't get my first social media account until eighth grade or whatever it was, and like 
these kids have had it for five years now. Like it's just starting, everything that we experience, I think is just starting sooner. For sure. And so it's definitely ramping up at least the social media aspect of it and that kind of stress that they have to deal with. Yeah. Well, I mean, first year teacher, like right out of college last May, <laughs> you're coming up on a year of, of your first year. And I mean, it, you, you kind of got thrown in like to this craziness that is, you know, 25 kids in a class and you have a co-teacher. And mm -hmm. so you're dealing with social media, you're dealing with all this stuff. How, I mean, how have you made it fun? Because I know you, and of course I know you, but you like to have fun mm -hmm. and you teach and have fun while you're doing it. So even during some of the struggles that it's been hard to, to cope with and navigate through behavior and social media, like how have you made it fun? How have you kept them engaged, like through all this social media distraction? I mean, I told them right away, the first thing I told them was I, I want them, my class to at least be one that they feel comfortable, to like they enjoy coming to. Because I know when I was in school, all the teachers that I learned the best one in were the ones that they made it fun. They were like relatable, they were enjoyed, like I enjoyed going to their classroom. And the ones I didn't really learn that well, I didn't like going to their classroom. So I told them right off the rip, I was like, guys, I want to be the person that like y'all enjoy coming to class and just can be yourselves in. And so, I mean, ways to make it, it's hard to make it fun. I mean, it's eighth grade science. No one really wants to learn about play tectonics when you're 14 years old. But, I mean, we have fun. We play a lot of games. Uh, like, we play Blookets and stuff online, Cahoots and stuff. They love that. I also kind of made it fun. I kind of started a, a TikTok page of, like, documenting my first year as a teacher nice. and stuff like that. And they, they love it. Like, all my kids follow it. And it's, it's kind of blown up a little bit to where, like, I have, a couple, like, a thousand followers. And they all just, like, keep track of my career as a as a first year teacher and they, they feel like I do videos with them, like rating their shoes and fun stuff like that. Like after class, I tell them if we can do our work for the first 45 minutes, we'll have that five minutes, we'll do like a finish the song lyric video. And so I play like old eighties music and see if they can finish the lyrics and stuff like that. So I think the number one thing in learning in general is just having fun while you do it. Yeah. So that's a couple ways I try to make it at least enjoy somewhat enjoyable. Yeah. As enjoyable as eighth grade science can be because Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and I like it too because you kinda incorporate like incentives in there for them to make certain test scores. Right. And if they yeah. average as a class <clears throat> this test score or the class you know, the class that has the highest test score gets a privilege yep. in relation to like TikTok or whatever it is. Yeah, and so I did a uh the highest class average for the chemistry one test we did, they got to do the finish the lyric video. Because after the first video, all my classes were real upset. They're like, how come you didn't do it with fifth period? Why didn't second period get to do it? So I was like, all right, here's the deal. Number one, the highest scoring average on the next test, we'll get to do the finish the lyric. And so they were all locked in for the last like week of reviewing for the test. And the test scores were up. It was actually like kind of impressive. They really, really wanted to do it. So yeah, incorporating the incentives, giving them something to work for, they, that's awesome. They loved it. That's awesome. And I, I mean, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. watching your journey and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a little rough. <clears throat> There's going to be some bumps and first year teacher, it is what it is. And then all of a sudden these kids just like love you. Like you see them on the streets and they're like, Hey, Mr. Sh you know, coach. Yeah. And so, I mean, that as a dad, it's kind of cool to see, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, if you could look back, like, what would you tell like a first year teacher? Like if you could tell yourself something, you know, when you're starting, like the, a year ago version of yourself or, you know, a, a kid, you know, let's say you have a friend that's getting ready to be a teacher, which I think you actually do mm -hmm. have one that's getting ready to start teaching. Um, man, would you give them any advice or what would you kind of say to them to get them more prepared than maybe you felt at first? Um, I think the number one thing is don't expect to be perfect. Cause like I went in, I was thinking I had this like picturesque views from all the movies you see, like of teachers, like teaching and like, building these awesome relationships with kids and they're like it looks flawless on camera like it's not going to be it's not going to be a perfect world the classroom is crazy it don't expect to be perfect i've made plenty of mistakes in the first year and i probably will make more but the only thing is you have to learn from your mistakes and just constantly adapt because these kids are going through like such a changing time in their life they're growing and constantly changing you have to be able to change on the fly and i think that's something that i learned right off the right off the bat was you're not gonna be perfect it's not possible it's public school and yeah. kids are crazy man like yeah. we were all I was the same way when I was that age like yeah. you got to learn from the mistakes that you make and totally be prepared to make mistakes and the number two thing I think is just focus on the relationships with the kids like you said I've developed this like relationship with my kids where they like me I like hanging out with them and the learning will come after that if you focus so hard on just making sure we're learning this learning that they're not gonna it's gonna test scores like, test scores yeah, test yeah, scores yeah. exactly data data and that stuff's important. Like yeah. focusing on that is very important. Sure. But 
the number one thing is making sure these kids feel safe and like feel like they have you have their back. Yeah. And I think I've done a fairly good job of that, like you said, is these kids actually enjoy coming to my class and they can trust me to have their back in situations. And I think that's the number one thing. Because in the end, this eighth grade science, like when they get out of school, they're not going to need to know play tectonics. But they do need to know how to be functional members of society and they know mm. how to be good people. Mm-hmm. And so like just developing that relationship, teaching them like the little intangible stuff that you don't, maybe they might not get at home or something like that yeah. as far as how to be a good person, be be nice to people. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, so we're we're at this point of, this, of your first year and things have gone fairly well. Like you've had some success. Like you, you know, teacher of the month one month and now you've, you know, you're just recently uh, are going to be a teacher next year at the ninth grade campus mm-hmm. for the high school and you've been teaching, you're the head coach of the sophomore baseball team for at Conroe High. I mean, it's got to feel kind of good to step on that field and now you're directing traffic. Now you're mm-hmm. like casting the vision, you're motivating and and you were this guy, you know, for four years on that same field. I mean, tell us how it's, I mean, obviously it's different, but like what has to come out in you as a coach that maybe was a little different as a player? I think controlling my emotions is the number one thing. Cause like as far like a difference, when I was a player, I played like, you know, you yeah. saw me, I played with my heart on my sleeve. Like I was constantly like, I was fired up at all times and I do that. I get pot, but it's really hard to control. Like when something bad happens, you can't be the guy that just blows up on your team. Cause I mean, they're 14 year old kids. I can't just get real mad. Like I could at myself when I was just playing. Cause now I have to constantly build up these kids to move on from the next place. So controlling my emotions is the big difference. I think, cause I didn't really think about controlling my emotions when I was playing. I just went out there and played hundred percent as long as I could, but now it's like having to step back and I, I'm still learning how to do that. Like it's obviously something that you grow in and a lot of the, my fellow coaches have helped me with that. And so the, I think the number one difference would be controlling your emotions. It's definitely different though. Yeah. As far as playing to coaching, I, I tell my kids every day is like coaching is awesome, but I mean, I would cut off my arm to go play one more game with that Jersey on like, and they don't really quite grasp it yet. Cause I didn't at that age, but I, my number one thing that I'm trying to get through them is don't take it for granted. Cause like you will literally blink and, next thing you know you're at senior night and they're calling your name you know yeah yeah and 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 I mean to be fair speaking of how fast the season can end when you were a freshman you broke your leg mm-hmm. <clears throat> about what not even halfway through the season uh, about halfway through halfway district. yeah yeah so uh we all know that it's one play away from you being on the sideline and and so I like that message is to just make them take it you know every moment like as, last. yeah and and you know you talk about how your emotions and your body language stuff like because we're always preaching body language mm-hmm. to kids and Definitely. hey you know never let them see that it affected you I, I can only imagine because you're my kid I know that that's got to be a challenge because <laughs> you come by that honestly but for sure um so are you okay so you're 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 coaching uh the I, I mean I say the sophomore team but they're mostly freshmen right mm-hmm. there's yeah. some sophomores in there sophomores. and then you're assisting the JV mm-hmm. so there's a there's two teams that you're involved in and you guys have had a decent season I mean mm-hmm. historically Conroe sub varsity has has had some challenges and maybe 500's a good you know a good mm-hmm. record right now so uh what kind of potential do you see in some of these kids and and what what's the future of Conroe baseball looking like so far very bright the future is going to be bright I I came in with low expectations because I know we've the sophomore yeah. team and JB, I mean, they've struggled in the past, yeah. and uh, they've they've outperformed my expectations. Like I tell them every day, mm-hmm. I was like, I feel I'm the luckiest first year coach on the planet, in my opinion. Like these guys, they want to succeed so badly, and like even when we like we're on a like a like a three game losing streak, I think is what. It, and it, these kids still come in every day, and they are getting after it. And I, we didn't have that. Like looking back, we, we would be we would kind of start losing track once we lose a couple games. Like people be like, oh, same old Conroe. Here we go. I mean, we have four, four or five wins where we were down by about four or five runs in the last inning, and we came back and won. And that's – they're just – they're fighters. At least from what I've seen on the sophomore table, I know the varsity is the same way, but they're just – they're dogs. And that's what I ask them to be is just give me nine guys ready to fight to last out every time, and that's what they've given me. And I can't, I can't speak highly enough of this group of guys that I've coached so far. They've made it so much fun. And they're funny to be around too. Like, yeah. it's a great age. They're like sophomores and freshmen and then yeah. some juniors on – like – they're funny guys, and so like they make it they make it really fun. And I tell them all the time, like I y'all make it y'all make it awesome. I I love doing it. Well, and I'm, I agree because I think you can only coach so much, mm-hmm. and if you can get if you can inherit kids or get kids recruited that are you know have the heart, have the head for it, 
like you can show them how to play. Right. But if you, you know, you can't always teach like <clears throat> down five in the last inning with two outs and then come back and win. Like you can't really, that, right. that DNA isn't always just automatic. And that's what I'm trying to get through to them is like, we're, we're going to be playing against the Woodlands, Oak Ridge. These guys are going to have more talent than us. I promise you. Like yeah. every time we walk in that field, they're probably going to be more talented, but they're not going to be tougher than us. And they've really embraced that. Like they, they, all the way to the last out, like, I promise you, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. And you're yeah. going to have to fight for it, and you're going to have to use every bit of that talent that you have. Like, we don't have the $300 hitting lessons that those guys have at the whatever it is yeah. that they have, and they, they kind of play with that chip on their shoulder, and I like that. that that's what we need at Conroe to realize, like, and eventually, like, it's, the tide's starting to turn already. You can see it across the board on all, four level, all three levels of baseball. It's like, people are starting to realize Conroe is on the rise. So, yeah. to answer your question, the future for Conroe baseball is only up. Yeah, in yeah, my opinion. yeah. I like it. I like that you said you're, you're breeding some dogs over there, and mm-hmm. and you guys are coming up with some grit, and and the talent will will come. But uh, man, before we let you go, uh, I want to hear about. So you and I've talked, and and you and your a couple of your buddies are you're so passionate about baseball that you would almost love it to be year round. So mm-hmm. you guys not only have a heart for just what the Conroe High kid and building that program, but the youth mm-hmm. of this area. And so you guys have started a baseball organization. Talk a little bit about that and what your kind of vision is for that. Yeah, so me and two of my former Conroe uh, teammates, Mick and Wyatt, we decided we are going to start a youth uh, select organization. And it started because as I started coaching, I realized like for the high school, like there's so much that these kids didn't know that like I, I knew going in, I'm like, they don't know like phrases and stuff of baseball because they just haven't, weren't taught it at a young age. And I'm like, I talked to Mick, and I was like, dude, they, they need this at, like, the ground level. And he's yeah. like, why don't we just, like, start one? And I was like, like a team? He's like, yeah, let's start a select team. And so we got together, and these two guys that I'm doing it with, they know just as much baseball as me, if not more. Like, so we're really passionate about teaching these kids at a young age. So 8U is where it starts, and all the way up to 13 years old, the fundamentals of baseball. So we're trying to get through them. Early on, like the fundamentals, the development that they will eventually, when they get to high school, it'll help them have an advantage over the kids that didn't baseball get that. Baseball IQ. That right, kind the baseball, like the stuff, the intangible stuff as far as knowing where to go with the ball with two outs, yeah, stuff like that, yeah. that they don't really have at this age that I've noticed they don't have. And so that's why we called it the Texas Pipeliners, the Texas Pipeliners Baseball, because we want to develop this pipeline to high school and college baseball eventually. So uh, right now it's just, it's going to be a 9U team, an 11U team, and a 13U team, so eight and nine, 10 and 11, 12 and 13 year olds. And uh, tryouts are, we have tryouts on the 16th and the 30th at Conroe High Baseball. And if you uh, want to sign up, you can follow us on like Facebook. Uh, there's a Texas Pipeliner Baseball, which has all the information on how to register for tryouts. Or you can send an email to texaspipelinersbaseball at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And that's how they register for tryouts. But yeah, it's just a, a select team that we want to start because we, we love baseball. Like the three of us just eat baseball up and it's, I want to do it all the time. I just like, I love coaching. I love being around it. So I figured, why not start yeah. a little select team? So cool. that's what we're going to do. It's going to be fun. It's going to be for kids in the Conroe area. I mean, yeah. you don't have to be going to Conroe High School to do it. It's right. just in the community that we love so much, this area. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. No, I like it. Um, you got to start early with them, especially in a sport like baseball, because right. like, there's so much to learn that mm-hmm. is not even like a game within a game. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's good. So you got a, a tryout tomorrow on this one air till a couple of days later, but you got one on the, the 30th, 30th as yeah. well. Cool. And uh, you go to TexasPipelinersBaseball.com? No, Texas, oh. email us at TexasPipelinersBaseball Texas Gmail. Gmail. Got and it. there's a Facebook page with the same name cool. that has the information. Well, cool, man. Uh, this has been fun. Yeah, uh, I've enjoyed this. I'm glad you can make it work. I know you got a busy day, so I appreciate it. Audience, this was fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was entertaining and inspiring. And uh, with that, he's been Dawson Shibley. We've been The Bridge Podcast. Stay connected. Hey, we got a good one uh, for you today on the Bridge Podcast TX. Uh, as always, we're we're talking to influential leaders in the community here, and we've got a good one today. Ryan Hudson with Hudson Realty Partners, who has had a long career in commercial real estate. He's been in the financial realm, uh, doing some consulting and some management, and branched out on his own, which, as we all know, takes 
a little bit of fortitude and some vision and taking a risk in himself, which you're going to hear about in the show. And you're also going to hear about what he does uh, in his quote-unquote spare time as a reserve for the constable's office. And some of the stories he's got are pretty incredible, something you may not have known because I didn't know. And then we dig in a little bit to uh, some of his vision for growth and uh, just what he sees down the line for Conroe and what he's got his eye on to grow his company. So I think it's going to be great. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Ryan Hudson. Welcome back to another episode of The Bridge Podcast, uh, where we're connecting commerce with community. And we've got another good one today. We uh, we never disappoint. I promise you good guests, and we've got another one. I've got Ryan Hudson from Hudson Realty Partners. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, man. Good Glad you could be here. You, nice Friday afternoon. Um, got to know you sort of, uh, you know, via a mutual friend of ours. And... Um, yeah, so I, I thought, man, we gotta we gotta get this guy on the phone. So I got him on the phone, and man, you you turn out it turns out you you've got your hands in a few things. And uh, what is this? I see you're a reserve sergeant with the Montgomery County Precinct uh, Constable's Office, Precinct Three. Yeah, that's right. uh, so give us a background. So are you you know where kind of where you grew up a little bit? Kind of why Conroe? What you've done to this point? How you got your how you got your real estate company started. Yeah, sure. So I was born over in West Houston. Um, I graduated from Stratford High School in 98. Um, my grandfather lived up here in Corinthian Point, um, mm-hmm. which I guess is technically Willis. But um, but I spent a lot of time in Montgomery County on Lake Conroe, mm-hmm. um, visiting my grandfather and my grandmother and, uh, and spending a lot of time on the lake boating and fishing and skiing. It was very close to my grandfather. But um, grew up in West Houston. Um, I left Texas to go to school in Baton Rouge for four years, but I've been in Texas ever mm-hmm. since. And um, what brought me to Montgomery County was uh, I had a client that hired me. Um, Intergy was one of my clients when I was consulting. And um, they moved me to the Woodlands, and um, that was kind of my first full-time uh, being up here in Montgomery County. And then... Uh, you know, with Conroe being right up the road and all of it has to offer and still going out to the lake all the time. Um, ended up moving to Conroe about four and a half, five years ago yeah. and uh, have been here ever since. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, you've got a couple of different things. You're involved in the, the Lions Club, of course, uh, the Masonic Lodge. Um, tell us, I guess, for people that don't know, kind of a little bit about your involvement in those organizations. Yeah. So I'm a pretty new member of Lions Club. Um, I joined last summer, I guess, end of last summer, and um, service organization, um, great group of folks. We've been volunteering this week out at the Montgomery County Fair Mm -hmm. at the concession stand. Um, Just great camaraderie, a lot of fun, a lot of good people. Uh, We meet for lunch every Wednesday out at the Lone Star Convention Center really great group come visit if you haven't made it oh i need to yeah and then um conroe lodge is right here in downtown conroe um a lot of people don't know about it there's Mm. not a big sign Uh, it's a pretty discreet building right on the courthouse square but uh it's at 311 simonton if you know where conroe central market is um yeah uh, mike canada's shop Uh, he leases the bottom floor from us and then we have the lodge upstairs um you know, there's a lot of uh, superstition and things tossed around about masonry, but it's it's just a fraternity. Okay. Um, their motto is to take good good guys and, and make them better. Really? And so, yeah, we do a lot of service projects. Um, it's not a service organization. It's a fraternity, but uh, a very, very good group of charitable, charitable men. Yeah, I, I never really knew. I mean, I guess I'm just not you know in tune with certain things but uh i never knew what that was yeah. i never knew what it kind of consisted of but it, it sounds like a cool thing to have how many people are over there you said are member it's members i assume there is it's, it's there's um over 250 members of conroe lodge um wow. there's several lodges throughout montgomery county but uh conroe has about 250 members and um we've got a pretty pretty active group here in conroe really mm-hmm. that's pretty cool yeah. well Man, I've I've had uh, I've had Mayor Chikoski on, yeah. and uh, I know you know him, and and so this commercial real estate firm that you've got, you started, uh, what was it, twenty? 
help me. What year did you start? Yeah, so I was with um, a big outfit in the woodlands for about six years. Okay. And then just last year, um, I stepped out and broke off on my own and started my own real estate company, started Hudson Realty Partners. And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of new. I'm about three and a half months into it. Yeah. But um, I took some time off to help my wife with some things that she had going on. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, just now really finally uh, within the last 30 days, really getting to focus on it, do it full time. And it's commercial, right? Real estate. That's right. Investments, uh, growth, like just, I mean, I don't know if you could have picked a better city in the country to right. really start doing that. Exactly. Which, that's not news to you. Absolutely. You were probably pretty intentional with that. Um Man, so what What about, I guess, your team? Is it just you? You got a few folks that you're bringing on, brokers as well? Exactly. Or, and so you guys are sort of eyeballing the entire landscape of Montgomery County, or are you kind of even branching out even further? You just want to st- kind of start small right there. Yeah, Montgomery County is is definitely our wheelhouse. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do deals down in North Harris County. Um, you know, we'll go east and west and north to Walker County. But, um, you know, you start getting out of our market and our expertise, you know, we'll, we'll refer it out. Um, you know, like we, we like to stick with, with what we know and what we're exceptional at. Yeah. So yeah, Montgomery County is, uh, is where we like to stay in focus. Yeah. So I didn't, I mean, when you start a business, I don't know, talk to, talk to the audience today that, you know, we've got some people that maybe are just starting out kind of like you, um, maybe not new to that industry, but new to having the shingle have their name on it. And man, give us some encouragement about kind of some things you had to fight through maybe emotionally, mentally. And then things that you're excited most about by being kind of your own boss, your own entity. Yeah. So, you know, I've sort of always been under the umbrella of, you know, when I finished school, I I worked in corporate America for, you know, 12, 13 years. And, um, you know, you've you've got that salary every two weeks or every 30 days and that that comfort factor. And then uh, when I decided to start my career in commercial real estate, I went to work for one of the big you know, top 15, you know, firm in the greater Houston area. And um, you go from being a salaried employee to, you know, you're 100% commission. And, um, but, you know, you still, you know, you're still with a bigger firm and there's, you know, a certain level of comfort there that, you know, you've got some people to help you and and Mm -hmm. things like that. But, you know, you, you do it for a while and you make some connections and you make some contacts and you meet some people and, um, you get very, very comfortable and, um, you know, there just becomes a, a time, at least for me, if, if I'm not growing, I, I, I get stagnant and I, that's not a place I like to be. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit about me yeah. and, um, just decided it was, it was time, um, kind of the stars and moon aligned and, um, you know, it was, it was the right time to do my own thing. Yeah. So you already had sort of a network created um, where it wasn't like you were totally flying blind and jumping out into the deep end without any sort of head start. But it is different whenever you're talking about if I don't close, I don't eat, like close a deal type of thing. And so, you know, that's, I think, probably the most important part of that, why people don't do it. Like we've got a lot of people that are out there that have passion for it, knowledge for it, a network even. But man, they just haven't got to the point where they're, it makes sense to take that risk and take that leap. And so, I mean, I, I think that's commendable. I mean, it's admirable that you you obviously have invested in yourself, taken a chance on yourself, and you've got a support system. I mean, your household is just kind of full of successful people, really. Um, man, what what uh, what about Conroe? Have you seen change so much since you've sort of came up and even from the days of your grandfather and hanging out with him like I know it's totally different yeah yeah I mean from the days of growing up with my grandfather you know we spent a lot of time out at the lake but even just the time that I've been here I mean just look at downtown by itself I mean the the landscaping's changed and I think you had Frank Jackson on the show Frank's I think he had his soft opening at the table recently and um, just the Moco Food Hall, and I mean, it seems like you know every time you, every you turn your head, and there's there's a new a new concept out there, and I think it's making Conroe a, become a destination. Wow. Um, I know when my grandfather and we were up here, you know, Conroe was a sleepy blue collar, 
you know, place where, you know, especially downtown, was, that's just where the employees Quiet, went to go work. no traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and now, you know, there's, there's a huge housing demand down here. People want to, um, they want that live-work atmosphere. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's much different. It kind of reminds me of Houston, you know, 25 or, or 30 years ago when, you know, Houston was the place where you, you just drive down there to work and then you leave. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like Conroe is starting to become that place where you, you go to work and then there's entertainment and then you eat and, you know, you kind of, you have everything and yeah. everything right there in downtown. Yeah, it's becoming sort of that one size fits all for yeah. everybody, that one-stop shop, you know, even just kind of, just like you said, downtown. I mean, even throughout the outlying areas, I mean, the lake is doing what it's doing. And then, I mean, I know when I came yeah. to visit grandparents at April Sound when I was young from Oklahoma, I mean, man, you couldn't. There, if, if there was another car with you on yeah. 105, then you were it was that was traffic. Um, but I remember, and now it's just you can't find a place that sits still long enough to put a house or, or anything on. Uh, do you have s- some sites set on property out in the lake area, or as it expands, maybe north? I don't I don't know. Yeah. What's kind of your holy grail right now of of what you got your your sights set on? Yeah, so um, I, I do. I've got some development tracks. Um, kind of on the north side, closer in the Willis area, North Conroe. Um, I've got a building down here in downtown Conroe that's listed for sale. Mm. Um, so I've, I've kind of got, uh, uh, I've got different inv- different types of inventory right yeah. now. Oh. Um, so we're, we're talking to, you know, the, the, the market's really good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the housing market seems like it's been, you know, I'll call the housing market hysterical. Um, a, a lot of the commercial activity that I'm seeing, you know, particularly on the investment stuff, if, you, if you've got an income producing asset right now, it's, it's going to, it's going to sell pretty quick and it's going to mm-hmm. sell for an aggressive price. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but no, the market's good right now. People are looking for places to put their cash. Um, and real estate is a really good way to preserve capital and, and grow your investment. So yeah. it's been good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's <clears throat> ripe for the, the picking right now in, in what you're doing. I yeah. mean, pretty much, I think, I, I would like to know the statistics of how many people have gotten their real estate license in the last <laughs> three to five years in Montgomery County. Like, right. I bet it's staggering yeah. compared to the previous five years. Um, but uh, so do you have a, do you have a background? Because you haven't mentioned a background in law enforcement. No. How did this come about where you're now a reserve sergeant? Like, talk to us about it. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I don't. I don't have any. Uh, my, my grandfather was in the military. Okay. Um, but outside of that, I don't have any connection or relationships to f- folks, at least in my family, in, in law enforcement or um, it really started when I was working for Intergy. I was traveling, you know, 200 nights a year. Mm. I spent a lot of time with a guy in New Orleans. That's where their headquarters was. So I was in New Orleans all the time. I had an office in New Orleans, and um, we uh, I spent a lot of time getting to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of one of my counterparts, and so there was a lot of coordination that you know we had to be linked up on and. Um, former commander, New Orleans Police Department, and working in corporate America now. And we would go and we would spend some time outside of work together. And he would talk to me about, you know, being a commander of the New Orleans Police Department, how much he loved it and Hmm. how satisfying it was and just how great it was. And, you know, he said that he took this job in corporate America because, you know, his family had some aspirations and, you know, he wanted to be able to provide better for his family. But, you know, he law enforcement was his true calling and mm-hmm. just to hear him talk about you know some of the the things that he got to do and how it made him feel and um it was really really uh um, i admired him for yeah. it and so he started telling me about how most law enforcement agencies they they have a reserve program where um you're you're an unpaid volunteer you have to go through and meet all of the training requirements and pass all the same tests and qualifications as a as the full-time guys but you're you're an unpaid volunteer and so i ended up i guess it was in 2016 2015 i ended up enrolling in night school and put myself through the law enforcement academy as a hobby 
Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's kind of how much, the, uh, what an impact this guy had on me. Right. And so for 13 months, um, I attended the Lone Star Law Enforcement Academy. And um, when I got finished, uh, I developed a relationship with Constable Gable, the Precinct okay. 3 Constable down in South County. Great guy. Great mm. guy. And um, um, he brought me on as a, as a reserve deputy and um, got to know the guys, was able to do a bunch of civilian ride-alongs during my time in the academy and just fell in love with it. The teamwork, the camaraderie, um, it's just the overall just a, a tremendous experience. And, you know, this is me speaking as an unpaid volunteer, which is, you know, a little bit different if, right. if you're on the payroll. Yeah. Um, you know, be, being, a, um, being a cop and having that as your profession, that's, it's a hard, hard job. Um, you know, you don't go home on time. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that you have to see and the things that you're exposed to, I mean, it's, it's a very, very difficult job. Um, but, but I love it. I've, you know, there's been a, there were a couple of years where I even contemplated going and doing it full time. Really? Yeah. It, it, it was, it's, it, it's a great group, especially, you know, that, that, that pre-C3 group and, and what Constable Gable's done. Um, it's, it's a really great group of professional guys and I, I, I'm in, I love them. Some of my wow. best friends are, are at that agency. That's so yeah. cool, man. Well, yeah. what would have to happen for you to, you said ride alongs. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you've been commissioned into duty even as a volunteer what would have to happen for the reserve community to have to get on the streets and and actually be i don't even think deputize is the word but like what what would have to is that sort of a when chaos is ensuing type of situation or or they're down short-handed what's how's that go yeah so we're required to to do about 18 hours we're required to do 18 hours a month um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever it's, it's training, it's, you know, going and running traffic control, it's going and helping out with special assignments, um, you know, working the fair, we've got the fair going on this oh, week. Oh, really? Yes. Um, if, if someone calls in sick and they need a shift covered, um, but yeah, I would say my first three or four years I was working, you know, 30, 35, almost 40 hours a week. A lot of times. Really? Oh, I was volunteer. Volunteer. And that was in addition to my, my day job in corporate America. And wow. Yeah. I mean, I would jump in a patrol car on Friday night and I would live in it until Sunday night. And wow. I mean, I just, I, I absolutely loved it. Is, is the constable's office the only one that, that does the reserves or is that city is that is that sheriff is that all of law enforcement has that availability most agencies have a reserve division Um, i think every constable's office in montgomery county does um the sheriff's office um i know each municipality has a little bit different program um i don't know all that's pretty cool like i I would think that's i don't know i I guarantee you 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 audience didn't know that like you some of you didn't know that there's even a reserve group of for for law enforcement that's really cool um Man, uh, so I guess if people are wanting to do that, they can go and get certified or do the classes and, and then look it up and, and go go pursue that. Right. But it uh, sounds like it made an impact on you, and I had no intention of really diving into that, but yeah. I think that's a cool – nobody really has had that story. So you, you're you top yeah. of the list with kind of unique deal that you're doing. So you're out at the fairgrounds all the time between Lions Club and the Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where you live. You have a tent out there. Um well, man, what gets you fired up about Conroe? Like, I mean, we're looking around. We talked about downtown. You're in a great industry for this time, yeah. this season of Conroe, which could be the next 10 to 20 years for all I know. But what gets you fired up? Like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I, I love doing deals. Um, you know, I've got, you know, between work and some of the organizations I'm involved with, I, I just I have a lot to be excited about. Um, you know, uh, obviously work, I, I work with some really great clients. I work with some, some of my clients are here in downtown. Um, I've got clients all over the County. I, I love doing deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of like Jody. I'm, I'm a deal junkie. I mean, even when I was in corporate America, when I was consulting with, with Price Waterhouse, I, I love putting deals together. Um, I love going and, and, and working the next assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that I, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever, I don't know how I'm going to retire. I, I, I love doing deals. I love putting deals together for myself. I love putting deals together for my clients. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's interesting in the, in what I see from a distance in commercial real estate is 
the sales cycle's not, I mean, it's not like going and selling a t-shirt at Academy. Like it is, yeah. it takes a while. So I can only imagine the agitation and the anxiety, like when you see that close enough to touch it, but you know, it's like a month away or, or you're waiting on inspection or you're waiting on approval or some kind or funding or whatever. Like that's gotta be, especially for deal junkies, like that's part of the addiction, I'm sure. But still, personally, I'm not real patient. Did you have to get there at some point of just kind of realizing it's a process? Yeah, your your first couple years, it's re- it, you're easily excited. But yeah. you know, after you've done enough deals, and you know, I, I don't get too excited too easily. Really? I mean, I've, I've had deals that I've worked on for, I've had several deals that I worked on for you know two plus years, where you know, and as a real estate broker, you know, I work on a contingency basis. Yeah. If, if it doesn't close or the deal doesn't get done, yeah. it doesn't matter how close we got to the finish line. No. And, you know, I might have three or 400 hours invested in a deal that doesn't close. Mm-hmm. And so it, it happens. It, it comes with the territory. Um, you, you can't, all you can do is learn from it. You, you can't, if you get disappointed and you sulk and you let it bring you down, you know, I mean, you just... Um, you just you just got to keep there's going. there's things that you can't control <laughs> in the process control. right like you wish you could touch everything and actually sure. almost have the the joystick uh that maneuvers all the players involved but that doesn't always happen and, and the audience is sitting here you know and there's people like that right now that maybe are beating their head against the wall in a certain right. profession and they have this these deals <clears throat> fall through right or, or maybe they don't get to have this extra bonus check for the month. I mean, I'm in sales. I know what that's like, but there's so many back door, like, you know, backstage things happening. Give, give some advice today. I know this isn't a, you know, we're not talking to, it's not a Dr. Phil show, but, but give some folks some help maybe with what they struggle with on frustration when a deal doesn't close or something doesn't turn out like they thought and they put all this work in, like what gets you through that, man? Yeah, there's, there's, I'm a firm believer that that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if a deal doesn't close, or you know, all the way from the trivial things as a as, as a deal not closing to you know the losing a loved one, there, there's a re- everything happens for a reason, yeah. and you you may not know in the moment what that reason is, but um, you know. Um, God is is either dropping a pebble or a boulder on you, and, right. and he's 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 doing it for a purpose. And so, um, you know, I remember during COVID, every single one of my deals either fell out of contract or got put on pause. And I I went from going and having, you know, my best year ever to having a pipeline of zero. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a reason for that. And it taught me a lot. It, um, it, it gave me a lot of perspective. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people t- talk about, you know, the real estate industry back in, in 2008 and some mm-hmm. of the, the things that happened. And that was kind of my first time to see rough water in, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the industry. And at the time, I didn't understand. But, you know, looking back, I learned a whole bunch from that. And, you know, everything worked out, but um, I just, I'm a firm believer that, uh, that everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and, and God drops pebbles or boulders or, mm-hmm. you know, he taps us on the shoulder and, and redirects us for, for certain reasons. Yeah, yeah. He definitely, you know, maybe he's trying to show us something that we would have ne- not ordinarily seen exactly. or learned. Uh, and I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, what What's on the horizon for you guys? Like, I mean, so I, I hate this question in interviews when I'm interviewing for a job or whatever, but... Three to five years, right? Yeah. Let's do the crystal ball thing that's so cliche, but yeah. I feel like it matters because, I mean, as a business owner, you've got to almost have a vision, right? you got to be – everything's a game of chess where you're two or three steps ahead, right? right. you got to sort of forecast. So give us a five-year kind of vision. If you were to – if we were to talk in five years and yeah. look back and go, yeah, man, this is what I knew was going to happen. This is what I wanted to happen. This is what yeah. I kind of had a vision for my company. What's it going to look like? Right now, um, I just want to grow the business, but uh, slowly, um, with the right people, um, the right skill sets. Um, you know, I think it's it's almost like every week we have opportunities to to onboard or, or bring new people on, and um, we've decided that in the beginning we're going to keep it kind of sp- pretty small um, and start slow. Um, 
right now we're still really enjoying being able to focus on clients and focus on getting deals done versus, you know, if you grow real fast, then you're focusing yeah. on the business. Yeah, oh yeah. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a deal. I love doing the deals. Um, I love growing the business too, though. So um, we're just going to go real slow. We're going to kind of um, check and adjust as, as, uh, as opportunities come along. And um, we're just going to grow the business real slow. So I, I hope to be doing um, a lot of the same thing, just on a, a little bit bigger scale, three to five years down the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah. Because right now it's important the infrastructure that you're building within a culture. Yeah. Like the team, so that then you can obviously from the ground up you're starting to. Because if you rush right in, right, and just make this foundation enormous without really going through checkpoints and building that infrastructure, like we said. Exactly. I think I think you're right on, man. And, and I don't own a business, but if I were to do it, I would think that would be very important Absolutely. to not put the cart before the horse. Yeah. And Because uh, you could. You could outgrow. I mean, you could outrun the growth. You could outgrow the process, whatever, tomorrow probably if you wanted to. I, I could bring on a new broker every single week. I, I could have... I could have 30 people working with me right now and that's just that's that's not that's not what we're trying to do yeah um it's got to be the right people it's got to be the right timing it's got to be the the right personalities the right skill sets they got to be the right fit yeah so yeah well um man i i think it's cool that so is your office in downtown? Is is it in Connor? We're securing office space right now here oh, in downtown. Oh, yeah, Okay, that's right. All right, so that's good. That's good to know. We'll uh, have to come by and see. Are you going to do any kind of opening? Are you going to promote that at all? Maybe get some people excited about your your new office or what? We uh we we haven't gotten that far. Um, we're we'll be up on the second floor of a, a building right here on the square. Um, more on that to come. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably do something. Yeah, we got to know where you're at, yeah, man. We, we got to know to send all these people that want to be brokers yeah, right. that you're gonna turn away right now. <laughs> we want to know where to send them. Um, but no, that's awesome. I, I'm I, I'm always excited to see like somebody that just has a you know you got a passion for something. You've got experience in it. You've got knowledge, and now you're building a team, and now you're kind of putting legs on this dream you have. And man, I, I just think it's cool that that somebody steps out, has faith in themselves, yeah. and um, of course you got a good support. Your wife's very supportive, and um, you got a presence in Conroe, and you got a network built. Yeah. Um, yeah, so kids, good. kids as well, right? We do we've got a, an eight year old who's um, goes to school right here downtown. All right, so. I'm, We'll all be downtown. I'll be downtown. Um, my wife's downtown. Okay. The eight-year-old's downtown. Yeah. So we'll 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 all be here. It'll, all right. It well, feels good. give us give us all that for those of us who haven't made it to the fair yet. Give us something that's kind of stood out to you that you you've thought was pretty cool or loved about it or uh, maybe give give somebody a yeah. taste test on what they're going to see when they come out this weekend. So I've been going to the Montgomery County Fair for a lot of years. Um, the cook-off is this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the carnival, my, my eight-year-old, he's going to the carnival on Saturday. So really looking to that. He's he's a uh, he's an adrenaline junkie. Mm. Um, we took him to the Catfish Festival last year, and he rode – every single ride that mm. there was he just has nice. no fear nice. and so you know if, if uh cool. I, i'm gonna feed that for him if if, if he That's wants cool. to go ride scary rides he didn't I'm, get that from you or what maybe a little bit yeah yeah i think he sees um i think he sees me do stuff and i think that gives him a little bit of encouragement that, yeah you know nice um That's cool. but yeah he's he's ate up with it so we're gonna do that we're gonna eat barbecue go ride some rides and uh, and enjoy this beautiful weather it that we're is. having. It's real nice. It's yeah. real nice. Well, man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on today. I mean, I've gotten to kind of get a glimpse inside of what drives you and what what your business is about and kind of the vision you have. Because I mean, I hear good things about you. I've uh, I know folks that know you, and we kind of have mutual, like I said. Yeah. And so it's cool to to watch your journey, man. And it's cool to see where you're going with it. And it's going to only grow, we Thank know. You. And so I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Audience, he's been Ryan Hudson. We've been the Bridge Podcast. Stay connected.